And I wish you once again the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be standing before you this morning. It is not a thing I take lightly. And I'm grateful to the Lord for it. And I thank my man of God, Apostle Sandra Nicholas. I always want to honor as the Bible tells us to honor who, or to give honor to whom it is due. So I thank the man of God for the opportunity um, to be serving, hallelujah, in this great vision. We are going to be continuing with our subject, or the, I believe we are concluding the subject today, where we've been looking at why do we pray, hallelujah, who has been here from the beginning. Hallelujah. And so we've had an awesome time exploring prayer and the reasons or the purposes of prayer. And I'll just recap and then we continue um, with what we have. We started with the kinds of prayers last week. Um, first, we started with why we pray. We looked at the purpose that primarily prayer is for a fellowship. It is a communication or a means of communication with God. So it is not just uh, about communicating desires, needs, complaints, but it is for fellowship. And we looked at how God had always intended to have continuous communion with men. And so prayer is a way for that. And so we also said that we use prayer to exercise our authority in the name of Jesus. Um, uh, we also use prayer to enforce the will of God um, for a person, a nation, or in circumstances, but we use prayer to also enforce the will of God. Uh, we also said that uh, prayer also allows us to live in the consciousness and reality of the indwelling presence. Um, we live in the presence and it activates also that presence of God in our lives. So it is when we pray. And so we considered also the topic of prayer and righteousness. And you said we cannot pray if we do not know that we are in right standing with God. No man can be bold in the presence of God to even <coughs> begin to speak to God if they are, are not made righteous or not become the very expression of the righteousness. We then considered on how um, we, on, on, on praying effectively. We looked at many people are praying, but they are not receiving answers to their prayers simply because they are not praying right. And so we looked at how do you pray effectively. We looked at praying in the name of Jesus. We looked at praying in the authority of the word by the inspiration of the spirit. And then we consider the truth that also when you pray, you have to pray with the understanding that there are different kinds of prayers and then you apply the rules accordingly. Hallelujah. Are we together? I'm being fast and I'm just recapping quickly because I don't want anyone to be left behind. And so we then looked first at the type of prayer and that was, yes, the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. And so I want us today to consider the remaining, uh, the remaining uh, what you call types or kinds of prayer. 
praise the Lord, we will be looking at today the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration. And we will continue with the other prayers. Amen. All right. I want us to consider Luke chapter 22 from, okay, verse 41 and 32. The gospel according to St. Luke 22, 41, 42. Do we all have Bibles? Why am I not seeing everyone turning to their Bibles? I'm seeing some people. Whether you have your Bible digitally or you have a hard copy, but you have, you must have a Bible. There's a song we used to sing. I have a wonderful treasure, a gift from God without measure. We will travel together, my Bible and I. The B-I-B-L-E, oh yeah, that's the book for me. I stand alone. And the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You have to have a Bible. Hallelujah. You can't come to church without a Bible. If you need an aid to read and it's glasses that you need, you have to bring those glasses. You can't come to school and not bring your books. Then you're not equipped for school, right? You can't come to school and come to class without writing material. Unless you've got a, 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 I don't know, a computer or a mind that just captures everything. But good students of the word, they write, they take notes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I implore you by the mercies of the Lord, be students of the word. It's either you type or you write. But make sure that you take the record of what you're being taught then how else will you remember? How will you remember? All right. Can somebody read Luke chapter 22, verse 41 and 42? Somebody. Do you want me to mention a name? And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you because today you speak to us and we receive your word of meekness and gladness. And thank you because our lives cannot remain the same. But thank you for the transformation power of the word and it produces in us what it talks about. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Man, that's more like it. Should be alive. Amen. Amen. Tony, good to see you. We've missed you. Well, let me not speak for everybody. I've missed you. I don't know about everybody else, but we are grateful to the Lord to have you today. And also, Sister Joyce. Thank you so much for coming. It's great to see you. 
and everybody who I start mentioning everybody's names. <laughs> I know I can do that. Um, so where we just read, we're talking about the prayer of consecration. Um, what is consecration? We have spoken about this in times past. We have said that it is separation. It is when you are set apart for the purposes of God, for the service of God. Hallelujah. And so the prayer of consecration is when you are setting yourself to devote irrevocably to God for his worship, and you are committing to living a whole life to do the will of God. Now, this prayer is not a very easy prayer. It is quite a difficult one. It is a prayer that was done in the Garden of Gethsemane by the Lord Jesus. And now he says, Father, and this was when the time for his crucifixion was approaching, and it was hard. And in other uh, accounts, we are told how he began to even sweat, and his sweat was like white blood. It wasn't an easy thing for him. He was considering what was lying ahead. Dying is not an easy thing. And not just dying that you're going to be just shot in the head and then. It's a painful death. Literally a painful death because you are going to die slowly. You are going to be given a thorn, a crown of thorns. You're going to be whipped. And not just being whipped. The whips would have some kind of spikes or whatever it may be. And it's tearing your flesh. That's before you die. And then you're going to carry a heavy cross. And you're going to be cast at. People are going to say all kinds of things. And then you're going to be hung on that tree. Nails will go through your hands and your feet. And then finally you're going to be pierced on the side. So it's not... Just, okay, let's shoot him and let him die. But it was a very gruesome and painful death. And Jesus was considering, and it was not just about the death, but also about the separation he was uh, perceiving that was to come from the Father. He was going to be separated from the Father. And that's why the Bible tells us that when he hung on the cross, when he hung on that cross, he had to cry out and say, why have you forsaken me? It was because when the father behold the son or beheld the son, what he could see was sin and not the son anymore. So there was a separation. And that was more painful than a spear piercing through his side. That was more painful than the crown of thorns on his head. And so Jesus was just thinking of all of that. It was going to be a difficult time. And he was saying, Father, not my will, but yours. But if it's possible, let this cup pass me by. Is that what we read? Oh, I'm making it up. Is that what we read? Why are you guys looking at me like I'm making it up? So he says this, and he's saying, I'm willing to set myself apart for your will. Now this kind of prayer is the kind that where you say, if it be your will. Not every prayer must and will have this kind of phrase. Or, for instance, when we spoke about the prayer of faith, we are not saying we are not sure of God's will there. 
Lord, if you will help me, if it is your will for me to have a car, if it is your will for me to be healed, it is not if. You are certain of God's will, and so you are able to pray the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. But this kind of prayer, in this case, you pray it when you are not sure of God's will. And you want to be available to do whatever God tells you. You may not be sure of it, of what it is that is specific at a given time that God wants uh, concerning a matter in a specific time. However, you are willing to accept and carry out whatever his will is. So you pray, if it is your will. Hallelujah. So this is when you pray this prayer. Prayer of consecration. So you may not be sure of, about whether you should take a job or whether you should start that business or um, accept that business proposal or contract or whatever it is. So what you do is, Father, if it is your will. So at, at that moment, you are ready for anything that God would say and you are willing to yield yourself to it. Hallelujah. And maybe you are in a relationship and you do not know whether it is the will of God or not. And so you're praying about it and you're saying, Lord, if it is your will, what is your will? And you shouldn't be afraid of what he will say to you. He may say, it ain't it. You should be bold enough to say, okay, Lord. Your will be done and not mine. Hallelujah. So it is a prayer of consecration because you're setting yourself apart and aside to do the will of God. How many of us actually do pray such a prayer? Because many times we walk through life and we're like, oh yeah, I want this. Yeah, I've got to have it, I like it. Oh, I want this, I'm going to do this. Oh, okay. Then you've not yielded yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you do not see him as Lord as yet. You only see him as just your savior. Any person who sees the Lord Jesus as their Lord will always inquire what his will is for their lives. Hallelujah. You want to know, what is your will? What is your will? And you may come with this bottle of water and you really want to drink it. And you're like, Lord, I'm thirsty and I want this bottle of water. But regardless of the thirst, if it is your will, Lord. Should I drink this water? Should I? You don't just drink the water because you're thirsty. And you'll say, no. Just wait a little longer. Put away that bottle. You're like, all right, Lord. Your will and not mine. Hallelujah. So that's why we say this kind of prayer is not easy. It's difficult. Because there you are wanting to know God's will at all costs. And you are willing to fulfill it and align yourself with it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we need to be the kind of people that pray this kind of prayer. From time to time, there should be things that you ask the Lord concerning. Hallelujah. Some of us are in jobs that God didn't lead us to. We just took it because we needed a job. Some of us and relationships God didn't tell us to be. We just got in there because, oh, well, I like him. He likes me. Oh, my goodness, couple girls. <laughs> Whatever people say, I don't know. I wouldn't know. They just do it. No, he gets me. I get him. 
Hallelujah. From Rosa, you, this, this aspect, why you love me? We never ask. We just do as we please. It's important in the life of the believer that we pray this prayer, that whatever it is that we do, and wherever it is we find ourselves, we know we're in alignment with God's will. In coming to plant a church here, we needed to pray and ask what the Lord wanted us to do and when. We needed to take direction from Him. In every endeavor, we do do things because we have the ability to. I heard one man of God say, in, when it comes to fulfilling destiny in Christ, you don't do what you can, but you do as you should. You may have an ability to do something, but God would say, no, don't do it. So we don't do what we can. We do as we ought. So we align ourselves with the will of God, and that's why we pray this kind of prayer, the prayer of consecration. Hallelujah. Moving right along, the prayer of agreement. Why are we dissecting and taking time to go through, dissect um, that kinds of prayers? It's so that you can pray effectively. So you know that how, now I'm praying the prayer of faith. Because sometimes you can pray the prayer of, of faith and you don't apply the rules that are needed there. So like when we spoke about the prayer of faith, we said you need to have faith. And you need to have a specific and definite request. And you need to say, Father, I, I, I ask this and that, I receive it in Jesus' name, amen. And you don't revisit that and go bother God again and say, I'm asking for it again. Instead, what you do now is to say, thank you, Lord. I give you the praise. I've received it. So we can't be saying, well, I'm, I'm praying, but you say, Lord, I'm praying for a job. Oh, uh, and then you go back again, Father, I'm still praying for a job. Like, it wasn't a prayer of faith. So the reason why we don't get answers is because we are praying incorrectly. We're using the wrong, the, the wrong rules for a particular prayer. It's not supposed to be this way. So the prayer of faith we said, you say, Lord, I'm asking for a car, and I receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. Pray, that, and when you pray, you've received it, right? And so you go out, and you're like, Lord, I thank you. And you, then you attach works with your faith. So you go out to the garages and be checking out cars. Mm, I like that one. Oh, that's that one. You take pictures like, mm -hmm, that one. You even ask, how much is it? Can I give it a test drive? That's faith. And so whenever you wake up, Father, I thank you. Oh, hallelujah for that car. What is that car, Mimi? Tiguan? What? What? Yes. Oh, Father, I give you the praise for my Tiguan. What? I'm not even knowing. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For that sister who's been praying concerning her husband. Oh Lord, I give you the praise and I thank you for the man that will love me like Christ loves the church. I thank you because we'll serve you together. You don't go bother God again because this night you're feeling so lonely and then you go again, Father. <laughs> I came to you last week. <laughs> That's not the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. So now, the prayer of consecration we said, when the will of God is not known, you go, you say, Lord, what is your will? If it is your will. The prayer of argument, I want us to read Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. Matthew, the gospel according to St. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Hallelujah. I want us to be able to pray and get results. And not just pray and make noise. 
And then we, get, we become frustrated to a point that we are discouraged. We, don't, we no longer come to church. I remember I told you guys about a story of a lady that said, God failed her. What was she doing? Because she was not getting the things that she wanted and how she was praying. We would get frustrated with God. Ah, this God hates me. He loves everybody else except me. He's not doing it for me. How have you been praying? Hallelujah. Somebody read it for me, please. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, mm -hmm. it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together mm -hmm. in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. He says, now if you would agree concerning anything, Two, just two. If you would agree, touching anything, the Father in heaven will work. He will do it. So this is a prayer of agreement. And the rule is, two or more people are involved in this prayer. And what Jesus was showing us was that even the smallest assembly of God's people can effect supernatural changes and do the impossible through prayer. Even the smallest assembly. No matter how few you are, two or three, you can do great things through prayer. Hallelujah. There is power not in agreement. The prayer of agreement is an effective way to share burdens in prayer. So sometimes you could have been praying concerning something alone. But it is a great way to share a burden. And so you reach out to a sister or a brother, or brothers or sisters, and you say, Stand with me concerning one, two, three. I, I know that the many, we've seen prayers being answered um, when we come in agreement. Is it jobs and we present, and one would present a case and say, I'm asking God for a job, I need a job. Wasn't it not so, um, just not long ago, Minister Yanda was presented a case to us um, asking for a job. And we would pray each time, whenever we pray, those corporate prayers we pray on Saturdays. She got a job. She brought it to our attention and said, pray, stand with me, and we agreed with her. So it is a great way for burdens to be shared. Don't die alone and think nobody, let, let us stand with you in prayer. You are ashamed, you are afraid to say, if this one is beyond me. I really need to get married by the end of this year. <laughs> and you are dying here alone, complaining, crying. You could just say, please, this one is an emergency. <laughs> and we could join hands with you. If we make it a point that every time we gather, we pray about it, then so be it until we see a change. Hallelujah. But do not bear burdens by yourself and feel you are alone. That's part of the reason why we belong to a church community, a family. It is for you that you have, you have people that can share burdens with you. That's why the Bible teaches us we should carry each other's burdens. Hallelujah. So the prayer of agreement is a great way to share burdens in prayer. Now the rules are two or more people are praying. 
You have to be specific in your requests and spell out the points for which you'll be praying. So there shouldn't be any ambiguity, confusion, and uncertainty. We should be sure this is what we want to accomplish, how, why, and all of that. So each and every one will catch the vision. And then you pray in faith and in line with the word of God. I want us to look at Esther chapter 4 verse 16. The book of Esther chapter 4 verse 16. And if you have found it, please read it. Esther chapter 4, 16. Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so will I go to the king. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, so in this instance, we see, um, or rather we read a small portion. If you understand the background story, let me just give you a little background. So there was this queen, Queen Esther. If you remember, or if you've read of her, you'd find, you'll learn that she was an orphan and was raised by her cousin. Can we put our, our phones on silence, please? Um, so she was raised by her cousin, and in being raised by her cousin, the time came a king, King Zexus, had, um, was married, and there was a queen, Queen Vashti, um, who became disobedient. You know when kings would call when the men and kings are gathering and the king would summon his wife and say, come dance for us, you know. He was, uh, it was more like a trophy wife kind of a situation and the woman refused and she said, I'm not gonna do that, to be parading in front of men and so that's how she was dethroned and the king was like, you disobeyed me? I gave you an honor, you disobeyed. And so a replacement was needed. And so the advisor said, O king, call upon all the virgins of, of the land and let them all come. And then you pick and choose who you want and you will um, choose them as queen. And Queen Esther was chosen, though she was a Jew and um, was in disguise as a Jew. Uh, it was not known that she was at the time. She was chosen. And the Bible says Queen Esther found favor before the king, favor and grace, and the king loved her above all. Imagine how many women in the kingdom were there. I'm imagining thousands and thousands of young women were like, I'm going to be a future queen. And this woman was shown favor because God had in mind the destiny of the Jews. And so he had raised it up for that particular time. Now, this fast forward to what was happening now. Haman, who hated the Jews, who hated um, Mordecai, plotted against the Jews that they should be annihilated. And now they should be wiped out. And there was, was going to be a law to be passed. And now uh, Mordecai reaches out to uh, Queen Esther and says, do something about this. For God raised you for such a time as this. And now she had made a decision to do something, to appear before the king and make a request. And, and, but you see, according to the law, a, you could not come to the king or before the king without being summoned by the king. The king would have to summon you. You would die if you just appear. 
So this woman was going to take a risk and appear before the king. But she says, if I perish, I perish. I'll do this. Now, first what she says, she says to Mordecai, you and the rest of the Jews in Shushan, fast for me. I will also gather my girls and will be fasting and praying. What was she doing? Prayer of agreement. Calling them. They understood the matter that was at hand. She needed to see a change. She needed to change the destiny of her people by rescuing them from the, ma the mass annihilation plotted by Haman. This required her to go to the king and appear before him. However, it was unlawful to do so, like I've said, without being summoned. She was going to do it anyway. She called on all the Jews in Shushan and the maidens to join her in prayer and fasting. She needed them to stand in agreement with her. And that's how the Jews were delivered. The law was and the rule was overturned. And things worked in the favor of the Jews. Because when she appeared before the king after the prayer, Instead of the king being angry at her, she found favor with the king. She first, you know, called, made a, a great, uh, uh, what you call it, a feast and fed and, and, and everything, and then appeared before the king. And then the king said, what, what is it? I'll give you even half of the kingdom. What is it that you want? And that's when she began to speak and, and pleaded for her people. And deliverance came. But what happened? Even the result of that favor is because of the prayer that was done in agreement. You need to explain the issues and then establish a heart agreement. You know I can say, let us pray in agreement right now. And everyone will say, yes, we're agreeing. Yes, yes. But there is no heart agreement, only a mind agreement. Because you heard, doesn't mean that you agree. True agreement is in the heart. When we agree concerning a thing, hallelujah. So in the prayer of agreement, there should be a heart agreement and not just a mind or mental agreement. You outline what you want and let the others or the other parties catch the vision and then pray in agreement. Philippians 2 verse 2, can somebody read it for us? Philippians 2. Verse 2. Um, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Amen. One mind, one accord. And that's where the power is. So it's not just about agreeing and saying, yes, we heard you. But you truly, you see, as it is a burden in my heart, when I share a mentor with you, it should be a burden in yours, as it is in mine. So none of us should take it lightly or take light a matter. And then we say we're in agreement, though. The same seriousness I am taking the matter at hand should be the same that everyone I'm coming in agreement with is taking the matter. Are we clear? That's a prayer of agreement. It is not enough to have people pray with you or for you. There must be an agreement. So we can do great and mighty things through prayer. We say, here's the issue. This is what's happening. And that is why, you see, I always speak of unity 
Because I understand, you, the Bible says, how can two walk together if they not be in agreement? There is power in unity. And that's why God had to bring confusion between people who are so determined to build the Tower of Babel. And he said, these people are united in what they are doing. They know what they want. They purposed it in their heart. And they will accomplish it. He had to bring confusion. And that's how the different languages were established. And they couldn't understand each other anymore. So if one wanted to say, bring mortar and brick, the other didn't understand. What are you saying, man? And they couldn't continue with what they were doing. So it's about speaking one thing, one language, understanding the matter, and being given to that cause. That's agreement. That's, there's power in unity. You see, the power that you see at work or you saw at work when you read the scriptures concerning the creation of the heavens and the earth is, 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 is a power, a force of unity. The Father would speak the word. The word would go to work by the Spirit. There was a unity at work. And no one can beat unity. And that's why when people can, people can gather like this and they are divided, see if what they do will stand. Because it's not just about gathering, coming together. It's about agreement, a heart agreement. Many things have failed. There were 50 people gathering and none united. So if we're going to do great exploits for God, if we're going to effect change in our spheres of contact, if we're going to take over territories, we need to stand united, one heart, one mind, speaking the same thing, of the same love. So when we say let's pray concerning something, no one will slack and say, oh, well, I'm too tired. Because they understand the matter and the seriousness thereof, they also stand in agreement. It's not just about praying at the same time and praying at once together. Heart agreement. Are we united to the cause? That is why it doesn't matter how few you may be, but when you're in agreement. That's why the Bible says there's power in partnership. It says two are better than one, for they will have a great reward for their labor. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. So God is a God of partnership. The Father does nothing outside of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Son outside of the Father and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit outside of the Father and the Son. Elohim is one. Though in various expressions. So where do we get it? That we need to stand divided. If you're going to do things on your own. And never believe in the power of partnership. Okay. Continue. But there's power in agreement. Hallelujah. So I want us to take advantage of these things. So whenever there is a, a matter that you know that. As Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19 to 20. He says, whatever it is that two of you would agree concerning any matter, the Father will do it for you. So if you want to get things done, call those sisters. Call those brothers. 
Let them stand with you. Explain the matter. There are things you're going to do on your own by your faith, right? And there are things you're going to need the support of others. Hallelujah. So take advantage of the prayer of argument. I want us to consider the prayer of worship. Let us look at the book of Acts. Verse 2. Pardon me, 13. Verse 2. Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Holy Spirit. 13. Verse 2. And it reads, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I called them. As they ministered unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So, the prayer of worship is what we call ministering unto the Lord. In this prayer, you are not making any requests. And I believe it's uh, the most important prayer. Because sometimes we can be so overwhelmed with praying the prayer of faith. Oh, praying the prayer of agreement. Agree with me, agree with me concerning me. Then we are agreeing concerning things that we want, we want to see you change or whatever it is. And also in the prayer of faith, you want to receive something, right? But in the prayer of worship, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. God is the focus of the prayer. There you are telling him he is beautiful, he is wonderful, he is awesome. There you are ministering unto him. You may lie down on the floor outstretched and you're just focusing on him. You could be saying thank you, thank you, thank you. You could be on your knees, just beholding him in the beauty of his holiness. It's not about what you want from him, but you are just adore, adoring him. In adoration with your hands lifted up, you're saying holy, 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 holy. You may not have any other thing to say, but holy, 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 holy. That's a prayer of worship. And so many of us are not used to that prayer. We're used to any other kind. But we don't take time to minister to the Lord. And I'd love to believe that if you are intimate with God and you have an intimate relationship with him, there should be times that are allocated and dedicated to just worship. I always make an example um, with relationships that we have, particularly romantic relationships. I know myself, I'm a person who likes using words. And so I could write an essay in a text. And I'm just admiring the person I love. Either I'm encouraging, I'm appreciating, I'm celebrating them. That's just me. I use words to do that. 
And if of truth you are in an intimate relationship with God, there should be a time that you write those essays to him. And I do that. That I'm just saying, Lord, I love you. You are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are kind, you are amazing. There's a phrase I use when I want to encourage or celebrate something as simple as, you're the best face. So to God it would be, you are worthy of my praise. There is no other God but you. We cannot be so invested in people and expressing our love for people that we cannot do the same for the God who loves us with an eternal love. In fact, what we do for people and with people should be an overflow of what we are already enjoying experiencing with God. Cannot be that we are so creative with people in our relationships with people that we aren't with God. The creativity that I have with other people and how I'm able to celebrate them, love them, and just um, encourage, appreciate, comes from how I'm invested in celebrating the king of my heart. The one who loves me with an eternal love. And I've said it many times. That so many of us are much invested in other people. And we're able to love people easily, without any stress. But we can't do that for God. And these are people who can possibly walk away from you, disappoint you, hurt you, and fail you. But the God who cannot lie, who cannot fail you, who cannot leave nor forsake you, who says, I'll never leave nor forsake you, I'm with you always. Who says, I love you with an eternal love. People love you because you have something or you're giving them something because there's some kind, some kind of value. And when that value, they feel it is depleted, their love ends. That's just people. Unless you find people who love you and look at you through the eyes of God, that no matter what, it has nothing to do with what you do, don't do, say or don't say. But we're so invested in people, so given to people, loving them, showering them with gifts. Believe there's nothing wrong with that. Please, do it. But I can never do unto a person what I've not done for God. If I've not given myself to giving to the Lord, I can never want to invest myself so much to giving to people. If I've not allowed myself to love on the Lord, I don't want to spread myself, stretch myself for people. If I'm able to sacrifice, make sacrifices for you, best believe that I've learned what it means to sacrifice because I've been living a life of sacrifice unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So the prayer of worship is all about God and not what you want, but just admiring him. If you can call people, I, I don't even know, I, I don't know what people call themselves. Honey, love, sweetie, all these things. Why can't you just behold the Lord and be like, you're my end and my beginning. 
the lover of my soul, the shepherd of my soul, my everything, my all in all, the one in whom I live and move and have my being. Oh, your love and your kisses are better than wine. But you can be so poetic and be Shakespeare and even be Shakespeare. But you can't even begin to do that with the Lord. Hey, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in serious trouble. Come on, people. Be grateful, God. Be grateful, God. Be passionate. Shower him with your worship, with your praise. That's a prayer of worship. You don't know how beautiful it is. I don't know, maybe you are not in love. You are just in love with people. But once you come to be in love with the greater M, there's nothing you wouldn't do. There's no, there's no way you wouldn't serve him in. He would say, go left. You would just move left. He says, go right. Do you know how in love, when people are in love, you think they've given them something. Like, ah, this one, they used juju for me. That's why, who's this? who's this man that sings when a man loves a woman? Percy Sledge and then some also by Michael Bolton later. Because when a man is in love, hey, Jesus, we're in trouble. There are men who can love you to stupor. It's like, ah, is this normal now? Hey, there's something not okay there. That's being in love. But I want to encourage you to fall in love with God. You can never be asked to do anything. You are always willing, eh? Oh, where are we going? What are we doing? Eh? It's like, oh, okay, Sister Spiro. Okay, calm down. No, they don't understand you are in love. What do you want? You want me to, to sweep, to what, to do? Anything in the house of the Lord. That's a person who's in love with God. And it is that love that draws you to moments of intense and intimate worship. Continue being in love with John. I'm not saying anything. No, you break your heart. Don't come here crying. Because you've not learned to love God the same way you are able to express yourself with people. If more than anything, I want to, I want to encourage people to have intimacy with God, to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him. There are no limits. You see people making noise about 10% about time. You see, a love of God and a person who's in love, there is no amount of money they would never give when there is a need. What? What is 10%? You know that there are some people who give 95% of their income for the preaching of the gospel. And God takes care of them. They never like anything. They've become kingdom finances. They are not doing it for status. They are doing it because it is from the, from, from, from the bottom of their heart. They are doing this for the people. That, have you ever heard of blessers? Those people give and they don't even love. You want a car, they do it because they have their ability. They will give. What is it? Oh, I'm going to do my They'll send you 5,000 rents for just doing your hair. Are you buying a, a head or you are doing your hair? They'll do it. So they gave without loving. How much more a lover of God? You don't have to tell people to come pray or tell people to give or whatever. You don't need encouragement when you are a lover of God. 
at all, at all, at all. You say, I pledge, this is what I want to do in the house of the Lord. This is what I want to do to establish the kingdom. That's the love of God. Hallelujah. And so it is that love that draws you to moments of shutting away the world and saying, I've got to speak to my king. I I need to adore him. I I need to worship him. I need to bow before him with my hands lifted up. I just need to just lie down there in his presence. It's that love. And I want you to cultivate that love. He loves us. There's a song that's been in my spirit that says, where would I go? Where will I be? Yahweh. I'll keep running. I'll keep coming to you. Hallelujah. The prayer of worship. And that's why I'm passionate about even the songs we sing. They should, he should be the center of the songs we sing in worship. You know, I've heard people sing, lifting up their hands, singing, The devil is a liar. He can't get over me. I was shocked. The devil is a liar. I don't know if you've heard that song. Have you ever heard that song? They sing it in church. With their hands lifted up. They're crying. If you know the prayer of worship, God is the focus. We don't sing songs about the devil. Imagine. The songs we sing about Elohim. We sing about Jesus, his greatness. Simple song is, you see the song that was sung? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's simple. And then it goes... To God most high, most high, God of heavens, ruler of the earth and king of nations. It's about him. And all you sing, hallelujah, to God most high. He's the center. And I don't know, for some reason I begin to see myself before the throne, in the throne room. And I'm imagining seeing these angels, these creatures, and even 24 elders. I c- they are just bound down, bound down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Giving him the highest praise. That's what the prayer of worship is about. Praise the Lord. Next, we're looking at the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession is also one of my favorites. I said to us the last time that the, some of um, most of the teachings I was taking from the book I've written, um, which is titled "The Call to Intercession," um, a call to intimacy, maturity, and authority. And I said it for free 
to everybody in the group chat. I hope we saw it. And not only saw it, but we are reading it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm giving you access to read the things about intercession that God has laid in my heart. And the reason why I'm so passionate about intercession. Now the prayer of intercession is the kind of prayer that is done on behalf of another. The reason I share this is so that you read, and not just read, but be imparted with knowledge and then also be stirred up and answer the call to intercession. Now, prayer of intercession is done on behalf of another. You never intercede on your own behalf. It makes no sense. You intercede on somebody else's behalf. Through the prayer of intercession, we get the privilege of being a bridge between a person or a place that needs to fully experience God and all that God has for them, changing and aligning them with God's will. Hallelujah. We are standing in the gap for a person, people, groups, a body of believers, the land or a business or a region. And we follow the leading of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit to intercede on behalf of others. Now, what we're doing this morning is intercession. And I don't know why some people like stating in their programs when they write service starts at this time, intercession and then main service. And that's why many people skip that intercession part and they will come for main service. Because they've separated intercession as if it's not part of the service. When we say we start 9.30, we are starting with service and service is intercession. The reason why many people skip, I've seen it in many people's flyers and whatnot, they will say intercession nine, uh, 10 to, uh, to, uh, from 10 to 10.30, main service 10.30 to whatever. Why are you separating it as if it's a not so important thing, there's a main service? And that's why two, three people are gonna come between that time. Because they've been treating with liberty, intercession as though it's, not, it's nothing important. But we, we, we are doing something so, so important when it comes to intercession because we are taking sides with God and partnering with Him. Regarding matters for a city, for a nation, for a people, to enforce His will. At times, people may ask us to pray for them. That's when they have prayer requests. There, we are not... There we are not led by the Spirit. However, what is happening is we are just, when a person could come to you, uh, people do that to me most of the time. They say, please pray with me concerning one, two, and three. I'm not led by the Spirit at that time. I say, okay, I'll pray. And then there's going to be a time when the Spirit moves me to pray for certain things for, for certain people. In, in the past few days, I've been hearing in my spirit a, a, a city in, uh, in Nigeria that I do not know quite well. I was even asking where it is. It's, um, what's the word? Maduguri or something. It's a city that was coming in my spirit. For some reason, God would have me intercede. So from time to time, a name of a person can come. It can be ringing in my spirit. 
or in my mouth and I keep saying a person's name. It could be a city, a nation, or whatever it is. And then at times it's just that a person will come to me and say, please pray for me concerning one, two, and three. That's intercession. I've never heard of that city before. And I heard it's in, is it Bono, is Bono Estate or something? Bono Estate. And so I would want to hear more, what is the Lord saying concerning this? So we are drawn to intercede on behalf of people, of, 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 of um, a nation or a city, whatever it is. When there is a person or a circumstance still defined by the things that do not depict God's heart or will, an intercessor recognizes a gap between the present circumstances and thereby they will pray to align or to bridge the gap so that there would be an experience or a manifestation of God's reality and possibilities and his plan and purpose. So you see that something is not going the way God wants it. You recognize that mm -mm, God's will is not made manifest here. So what you do as an intercessor, you stand in the gap between that thing or that situation and what God really wants to enforce in a person's life or um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a circumstance. So for instance, you see a person, they are not saved. You know the will of God, the will, it's God's will for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, right? So what you do, you stand in the gap between the reality of what God wants and what is happening. So you want to enforce the reality of God's will in the person's life to see them saved. So you intercede for them, you pray for them, you cry out unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we clear? Amen. Through following the Holy Spirit, an intercessor listens to God's will to make a change for the good and allowing God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in the situation or person's life. So intercession is not just about what we desire for people. Because sometimes our desires may not be in alignment with God's will. But we should know the will of God concerning a matter, a person, a region, a city, or a people. So I do not just want to pray because I wish you well and pray nice things for you. But I want to come to a point where I partner with God concerning your life. His will must be done in your life. My prayer may be that you get a job. Maybe I desire that for you, but God may desire that you establish a business or businesses of your own. So if I have access to his heart concerning you, I will pray in alignment concerning you. Are we clear? So intercession is not about how well I wish you and how, how many beautiful things I want for you. It is about knowing the heart of God and partnering with God to bring that to pass. Hallelujah. There are times that uh, when I'll be ministering to women, 
And I would say, some would say they want to pray for their husbands, that they should, you know, be wonderful husbands, and all of this, all of this, they should do well. And I said, you should go beyond the point of wanting the person to do well, but come to a point where you want the will of God to materialize in the person's life. It's not just about them becoming a good man, but it is about them becoming the man God wants them to be. So it's not just wanting to wish your children well and you pray for them, oh Lord, protect them, they should prosper, they should do what. No, know what is in the heart of God concerning them and begin to pray in alignment with them. And that is why the term, then the term prophetic intercessor, because a prophetic intercessor doesn't just come to God with prayer points, but God gives them prayer points. And they pray prophetically by the revelation of the Spirit. And I believe we've all been called to be intercessors, even prophetic. Because we should come to a point where we move in sync with God, pray in alignment with the will of God. Not just pray, oh, we pray for peace in South Africa. Oh, we pray. No, what is God doing in a season concerning South Africa? Inasmuch as I pray and I, I, I intercede for all of you, it is while I intercede that my eyes can be opened concerning certain matters that I need to focus on concerning you. So I'm no longer just praying, oh Lord, bless them, keep them. But now God is showing me the direction I should take, areas that need attention in your lives. That's effective intercession. Because no matter how much I wish you well, I will be limited and whatever God wants to do in your life may be limited if I'm not interceding in alignment with his will. Hallelujah. Can we look at Ezekiel 22, 30 through 31? Ezekiel, that's in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 30, pardon me, 22, this is 30 to 31. Hallelujah. Are we following? Amen. Please read it. You have it. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Hmm. Hallelujah. You see now, this is the, he, God was looking for a man to stand in the gap. So when we stand in the gap, it's either we give right of way to the will of God and we can block whatever may not be inconsistent with the will of God. So many times the Lord would show me things in dreams and he would instruct me to pray for concerning them. It could be danger that I need to avert. And I'd say, oh, the devil, this is what he wants to do. And then I stand in the gap concerning a person. We should be found. God should not be searching and found no man because we are too are concerned about ourselves. Intercession is not for a selected few that all their intercessors. You know, I used to ask certain people and I would say, please lead intercession. And someone would say, I'm not an intercessor. How? All men, we are called, where we read when we're doing intercession in the morning, 
It says, prayer should be made for all men. I exhort therefore. It is a call to everyone, not a selected few. I've never seen anywhere in the Bible that it says they are gifts of the Spirit, and among the gifts of the Spirit is intercession. And so the Spirit gives to certain people. If you are a responsible Christian, you need to understand the value of, priest, of priesthood in your life. And that's why in Revelation 1.6, in Revelation 1, 6, we've been made kings and priests unto God. And there is a role. Part of our priesthood is intercession. And that's why I make noise so much about priesthood. So many people are so much in love with the idea of king. I mean, king, 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 king. But the efficacy of your kingship is dependent on the efficacy of your priesthood. Hallelujah. So you think you will reign? And you want to chill with the big boys. <laughs> you want to reign as a king. I almost sang that song. <laughs> so you think you're going to do that? Yet you do not know what priesthood is. You're fooling yourself. If you want to chill with the big boys and reign as a king, you first need to understand that you need to fulfill your role as a priest. You are a king priest. Hallelujah. So we partner with God for his purposes to find expression. We step outside of ourselves to carry out the enterprises of God. We take upon ourselves the burden of the Lord. It's not about us. So there's no room for selfishness in intercession. You're not the center of attention there. You know so many people are so self-centered that they forget about other people. It's always about them. Father this, this, that. I need this, give me this. So it's not about you. You can't be selfish and be an intercessor. You can't be full of hatred and intercede. So then intercession is done from a place of love. Hallelujah. And another beautiful thing the Lord taught me was, it's also in the place of intercession that love is cultivated. If you are angry, And someone. And maybe bitterness was trying to worm its way into your heart. Go pray for them. You'll see what happens. You're not saying, oh, Father, judge them. You see them. Uh -uh. Pray for them. Intercede for them. See what's going to happen to your heart. Love is cultivated in the place of intercession. Hallelujah. Your journey. So in intercession, you journey outside of yourself into God's heart. And you partner with him for the manifestation and establishment of his will and purposes. Hallelujah. You let God's heartbeat pulse in your being. Intercession is a place of rest for you and a place of labor on behalf of another person. You let God draw your heart to his thoughts, motivations, visions, and purposes. Hallelujah. So it's not about us. It's about another person. Could be about a place, a circumstance, but it's not about us. 
and you see matured Christians, one of the signs is when they are given to intercession. Have you ever seen a baby? They're always thinking about themselves. They never think of others. It's me, 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 me. But when you become a responsible son, you'll concern yourselves about the well-being of the others. When you become a son, you want to know how my brothers and sisters do. And you want to see God's will prevailing in their lives. And so you give yourself to intercession. And the, it is a beautiful thing to know that the two kinds of prayer that are prevalent in the life of a priest, when we exercise our priesthood, it is the prayer of worship and the prayer of intercession. We make sacrifices unto the Lord in prayer and mainly in worship and intercession. That's a priest. So priesthood is defined by these two kinds of prayer. You minister to the Lord and you intercede. And I want us to be given to intercession. That's why we don't have an intercessory team, but the whole congregation is a company of intercessors. We have a responsibility and obligation towards the body of Christ and to the world. We have been set in our environment for a reason. You are a custodian of your environment. You cannot be in your community and never take upon the, the position or even the responsibility of intercession. Robberies are happening everywhere but you are there. Drugs are prevailing in the community, but you are there. You've not done anything. Wherever you are placed, you are a custodian of your environment. Don't live life only for yourself and your family. That's all you care about. It's just me and my family. That's all you know. So we get out son of ourselves, and we want to carry out enterprises of God. There's nothing to do with us. Imagine praying for China. But you're doing it because probably the Lord has led, it, has, led you, has led you to do it and laid it in your heart. I have no business with that city called Medjugorje. I've never been there. I don't even know what's happening there. Some other time I'm praying, the Lord brings up Slovakia and says there is human trafficking happening there. It's been disguised as an orphanage. And children are being trafficked as sex slaves. I have no business with that. I've never been there. But it comes as I'm praying. And I need now to focus on that. So it has nothing to do with you. But if you're too selfish because you make even your relationship with God about you, you can never get to a place where you get to have access to his heart. And he shares burdens with you. Because intercession, it is taking upon yourself the burden of the Lord. What is grieving the Lord? There are people who can't be celebrating when God is not celebrating. And that's why we need to be, to be moving and sing with God and understand his heart. And allow him 
to draw our hearts to his thoughts, motivations, visions, and purposes. So we know that the Lord is grieved at this moment. So we need, it's not for a selected few that, oh, you are an intercessor. Oh, you. There are people who have prophetic gifts. They have the gift of prophecy. It's okay. It's not everyone that's going to have that. But it's everyone's responsibility to intercede. You may never be led to pray for anyone, but you have a responsibility in alignment with the word where we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That kings must be prayed for, meaning pray for presidents. You don't need the Holy Spirit to nudge you and say pray. The word already tells you. You don't need the Holy Spirit to nudge you and say pray for the lost. The word tells you. It says pray for all men. So don't say, no, until the Holy Spirit leaves me. Sit like that, okay. Because you're lazy, you're making an excuse saying, I don't see, I'm not prophetic. You don't have to see anything before you pray. It should be what the word says. Prayer should be made for all men. Supplication, thanksgiving, intercession. For kings, for those who are in authority. So you don't need a leading of God's spirit. Already the word is clear on who to pray for. Intercession is continued. It is fervent. It's heartfelt. So we don't pray to them like, okay, we've done it. Amen. It's continued. You could be praying for three years concerning something until God moves. You could be praying for revival in a city and it could take ten years. We saw in the instance of um, Simeon and prophetess Aina. And they were praying. The woman was, 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 was a widow for 400 years. 440 something years, if I'm not mistaken. She had been given, had given herself to fasting and prayer in the temple. Until there was a fulfillment of the prophecy when Jesus was born. So in a session, it's not, it could be a burden God gives you, and he says pray, until he says, no, it's enough. Sometimes it could be three years you've been praying one prayer point. That's intercession. It's continued. It's also heartfelt. And some of us give up when we've only prayed maybe for one week concerning that. God is not hearing. We pray. We push. We continue. You could be praying for salvation of a loved one for a whole year. And they could accept Jesus the next year. Could be praying for their salvation for five years. But you do not stop. Until a burden is lifted off of you, you don't stop. You keep praying. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want us to rise on our feet. I said the reason the Lord led me to teaching this. How wide do we pray? It's because he wants to raise us as a company of people of prayer. And so if we're going to be people of prayer, we need to be people of prayer who are praying with knowledge, with revelation, hallelujah. And not just noisemakers and there are no results. And if you have not been with us from the beginning of the teaching and you've missed 
certain parts. This is a three-part series. I want you to go on the podcast or on YouTube and follow the teachings. They are very vital. If we're going to be effective in prayer, we need to have the understanding, the know-how, the why. So we pray with power. And don't just be, oh, we're making noise. And at the end of the day, no results, no answers. God wants us to be a generation of priests, hallelujah. A company of priests, hallelujah. People who are given to prayer. People who are full of the word and given to prayer. We've been seeing God moving mightily and answering prayers. We've been praying midnight with the leaders every Thursday and Saturday without faith. And I can tell you, we've been seeing God move. And I want to implore you to be a person of prayer. Have your moments of devotion. Set an alarm, a reminder, do something, but dedicate that time to God. Now that you know why you pray, don't take prayer lightly. And now you know how to get to pray and get results. Take advantage of the different kinds of prayer. The aim is to call us to a place where we are people of prayer. Not people who sleep throughout the night. No, 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 we're not even bothered to wake up and pray. If you can't do midnight because you find it difficult, why do you ask the Lord for the, the grace? At least wake up early before you prepare yourself to go to work. I've said many times to people that you don't have to kneel down if your schedule is, up, is that busy. As you in the shower, you are putting on that lotion. You cannot have an excuse and say you don't have time for God because you're too tired. But yet you're never tired to look at your phone or even watch TV. I want us to answer to that call. Well, we're people of intimacy, a people of prayer, a people who are known as priests unto God. Hallelujah. And we can be bold in our kingship when we are bold, when we're intentional in our priesthood. Right now, I want you to pray. And also make a commitment to being a person of prayer. Just, Lord, help me. I've tried on my own and maybe I've failed to be consistent in prayer. But I really need your help. I'm not a person of prayer. I pray two minutes, one minute. Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, amen. But I need to rise. Make a priest out of me. I want you to pray. Go ahead and pray. Ask the Lord to help you. That you become intentional about prayer. Devoted. Given to prayer. Given to priesthood. Lord, won't you raise us a company of priests? 
for watching the Faith and Grace Network. 
where we connect you to the word of faith and grace. We trust that you have been blessed and that your life has been catapulted to our levels of glory. Now, if you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, we invite you today to make him the Lord of your life by praying the simple prayer now. Oh, Lord God, I believe with all my heart in Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. I believe he died for me and God raised him from the dead. I believe he's alive today. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life from this day. Through him and in his name, I have eternal life. I'm born again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I'm now a child of God. Hallelujah. Congratulations. You are now a child of God. We want to send you ministry resources to help you grow as a Christian. Visit our website at um, org and contact us and we will be in touch. God bless you and keep your faith aflame. Thank you.